Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is usually not longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. For today, I had kind of an interesting thought this week when I was going through my email, and I was struck by something that is one of the realities of just being an indie, is that very often I'm encountered by opportunities, situations, things, where I definitely kind of feel and miss the fact that if I was working at a bigger company or if if I'd created a bigger company, if I just, you know, rather than just being a one person shop, if I was a many, many person shop, that there would be people whose job it was to do certain things that now instead fall to me. It kind of got me thinking about how my business would be better or what opportunities I would have if I wasn't an indie, if I, you know, if I'd started my company as with the purpose of being like, you know, I guess a, like a a, a general purpose software company. And it was, you know, I was the, whatever the CEO or the CTO or whatever of my company. And I had people who did different jobs, you know, design, development, operations, marketing, monetization. Like if that was, there was a person for each of those things rather than each of those roles or each of those aspects of my work being, you know, a different hat that I have to keep switching off back and forth. And while it's definitely not something that I'm pursuing or thinking about in that sense, like, you know, I'm very happy being a one person shop. I'm very happy doing things the way that I do them. And largely just because I enjoy the simplicity of it. I enjoy the, how straightforward it is for me to do my work, for me to, you know, kind of work towards this. But I think it's also important for me to be cognizant and aware that that is coming at a a cost. Like, and, and it's a complicated balance. Like, there's this weird thing of say I hired someone, you know, I hired someone to help with marketing, and they were able to, you know, increase my downloads or revenue by two x. Then great, like that would be amazing. And you know, you'd imagine at least if you hired a person who was full time's job at OS to work on marketing or monetization, that they would have an increase in terms of the revenue and the business side of the business, but. It's also like that would come to cost of there being a person with a salary and the overhead and management. And it is for me, you know, obviously I've settled very comfortably into 13 years after you know starting being an indie that like the indie lifestyle works great for me. But I thought it'd be interesting, nevertheless, to kind of talk through the the downsides and the challenges that this approach is taking and sort of this approach, you know, what I'm, what am I giving up by making that choice and make, trying to make it a bit more conscious? So anyway, I thought that would be an interesting thing to just kind of talk through. Um, cause this is sort of a situation we both kind of find ourselves in. I've been kind of fiercely independent, um, for, for so long now that I consider myself just somebody who is not capable of employing others. And that's probably not exactly correct. I'm sure if I tried really hard or if I really had my heart in it, um, I probably could hire people and, and have them help me out. But Instead, I've the path I've chosen to date, and I and I don't see myself changing this, um, is to just keep the scale of what I am doing to what one person can handle, and that is inherently limiting. There's a lot of things that, by nature of that, I'm just never going to be able to do. Like for instance, I'm never going to have an Android version. It's hard. It's hard enough keeping up with the iOS version. To have an Android version, I would need so much more code and you know I'm, i wouldn't be i wouldn't be going to like electron or something like that so you know I, I would want a native app it would just be so much more code so much more design and testing and support and marketing and it's it just so it's such a larger area to cover than just having an ios app 
it, there would be no way for me to do that myself with everything else. And so I just have to realize like, well, if I'm just, if I'm going to have this app business and it's just going to be me, I'm only going to be able to be on one platform. Like the, I, I can't do iOS and Android. So I got to, I got to pick the one that I know and use and that's iOS. And then similarly, there are even certain features that I, that I really can't do. So for instance, Overcast does not have any way for people to write reviews for podcasts that are visible to other people. Because if I, if I did that, it would create the potential for spam and abuse and hate content and possibly illegal content. And so I would have to deal with all that. So that would take a staff to, to handle complaints and possibly look over reviews and things. And, and so that's another thing. I just, I just can't do that. And I just have to design my app and set my expectations in such a way that I know I am staying within the bounds of what one person can do. Um, so that's that's part of it uh, is that, you know, being indie inherently limits the scope of what you can do and the types of problems that you can tackle. And I just I design things with that in mind and I, I just kind of assume that from the start. And so that part of it, um, I, I don't see that as necessarily a downside, just something that we have to be aware of and and design with that in mind. Yeah, and I think the big thing that what you just—I love the way you said that—in terms of it's like it's like scoped such that one, it's you know, it's, it's something that one person can do because it is just interesting how there are things that you just can't do. And it's was almost like when you were describing what it would be like to, for you to have an Android app. It's like, well, essentially, you would need another one of you. You know, essentially, the person who's doing all of the things that you do on the iOS side would be need necessary on the Android side. And so, like, it's it, you know, it is exactly like. You would need twice the, twice the staff. You would need you know, at least, at very least, at the very minimum, one other person, um, to be able to take care of that at at that level because it's the scope of that work is like one person equivalent, um, and that's kind of just a fixed thing. That I think you're right. That I mean, you could. It's. You, I'm not even sure it would work to be like, oh, if you just split your time half and half, like you would get there. It's like I, th- I think there are certain things that become. It's like it, the effort it takes to keep up on one platform and to be current and active is such that, I mean, maybe there is someone who could who could juggle platforms like that. But it's like it's very unlikely and it's probably much more likely that uh, like you would just need another person and not it's like if choosing not to hire that person or not to, you know, contract with that person or whatever that is. It's like means that, yep, it's like those those paths are just sort of closed off and are just unlikely to ever be. Uh, things that will make sense. And just like I have certainly have similar things that I had people who were asking for WidgetSmith on Android um, because Android has a widget system and it's like WidgetSmith, you know, is a well-known sort of popular name. But it's like I really don't want to go down that road because I just don't have the bandwidth. It's like I barely in some ways feel sometimes feel like I have the bandwidth to, to manage what I'm managing now. Um, and so it's like the thought of trying to start it on a new platform and go in that direction, even though it's I'm sure an opportunity that would be sort of interesting or pretend, you know, potentially lucrative and she could for business. It's like, it's just not available because I'm just one person. I would also say like, you know, while we're still on the, in the coding area, when you're an indie, you can't do a lot of time consuming or complicated things in the code. And so what that usually means is you, you know, in kind of simplified terms, you have to choose what area, if any, you're going to have be a large code investment and all the rest of your code has to be reasonably simple. So what that means in practice is like using a lot of system components without a lot of modification. Uh, in my case, what I've chosen to do is dive really deep on the audio engine side. I'm not using AV player, so I'm doing this whole custom audio engine thing. 
to do my audio features. But what that comes at is a cost that I can't do a lot of custom UI work. This is, you know, my whole path towards Swift UI that I'm working towards is in part to continue this this path of like the the time. Like, if you want to have a really custom UI, now I'm not, notice I'm not saying a really good UI, a really custom UI that takes a huge amount of code and testing and design work and everything, and that's that's a big time consumer. And so, if you're going to do that, you can you can have a super custom UI as an indie. But that's going to come at the cost of your feature set. If your feature set is going to have complicated work in it, you're going to have to have a really simple stock UI. And it can look nice, but it's going to have to be mostly stock components. Or vice versa. You're going to have to use mostly stock stuff in your feature set if you're going to if you want to have a really custom UI. And again, this is the kind of thing this is not necessarily good or bad. But it's something that you have to be aware of. Like you, you as one person have limited time, and and we're going to get to in a, in a few minutes. We're going to get to some other things you're going to spend that time on. Um, but as as the limited time single person, you can only invest heavily in a small number of time consuming areas of your app. And so you know, you're, in most cases, that's going to be using stock components as many places as you possibly can. And I think so. It's like there's the other area of scope, and I think the other thing too that I'm thinking about is it's like the other the sort of impact of being a one person sort of development uh, team is the reality of it's like it limits your scope, and it also kind of pushes out your timelines. Um, I mean, obviously, like I'm very aware of the Mythical Man Month and all the things that you know, adding five adding five software developers to a project doesn't necessarily get it done five times faster. But I am pretty confident that if I, you know, hired a couple of quality iOS developers, some of the features that I'm working on would be done sooner, uh, because at the very least, they would be done in parallel. Like there would be a sense of parallelism that would, you know, sort of I, projects could features could be pipelined concurrently and then there's certainly the integration step and things but like some amount of timeline would be compressed um by hiring more people and it's just that's just one of the realities that i don't get as a you know as an indie like when i look at look at what i'm going to do and i kind of have a rough kind of like product roadmap between now and probably like you know maybe february of next year like roughly and i look at those and it's like some of those things could be done a lot sooner if it wasn't just you know like but for me it, i'm just doing them sequentially so like you know, I worked on the widget Smith, uh, you know, lock screen widgets, and then I worked on the pedometer plus plus lock screen widgets. And then now I'm working on the sleepless plus, uh, sleep stages thing. And then I'm going to go back to this next thing. And it's like, it's that, that's, you know, that, that, that sequence is just as you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a serial queue and I just go take one thing and then I work on the next. And so, you know, being able to be a parallel queue would be a, <laughs> certainly an advantage, but like, that's just a, something that isn't available to me. And like the consequences, my timelines are just what they are and they get kind of get pushed out. Um, in a way that I did, can't really control or change, um, you know, other than like working harder, whatever that means, or like somehow increasing my productivity. But, um, you know, it's like there's only so much that you can do with that. There's only so much coffee you can drink. There's only so much uh, attention you can sort of apply your mind to. So at a certain point, I'm just limited to whatever the the speed of, you know, my, the speed of the speed I'm, I'm able to sustain. And, you know, that that is what it is. Now, if you are at the point in your career where you're ready to go from a serial queue to a parallel queue, we are brought to you this week by Sourcegraph. This is great if you've just hired a new developer. You have to get them onboarded. If your company's growing, onboarding new developers is a common occurrence, but it's a big undertaking. One of the biggest challenges for new hires is to get up to speed with the project their new team is working on. 
And if your code base is already large, this can be really tricky. Thankfully, Sourcegraph makes it easy to move very quickly, even in those big code bases. Developers know knowledge is most useful when it's findable. Centralization helps, but since most companies store knowledge in at least two different locations, how do you make knowledge accessible to those who need it? Sourcegraph is a code intelligence platform that gives developers what they need to drive their own learning over time and in different situations. So without Sourcegraph, you need to rely on asking colleagues or reviewing documentation that might be out of date, which is cumbersome and time-consuming. With Sourcegraph, every developer can search across millions of repositories to find specific code, saving time for themselves and everyone else. So when questions do come up, it's just the big stuff that's worthy of the extra time. Sourcegraph was created to make developers' lives easier, and today they work with leading companies across every industry, including three out of five of the top tech companies, plus PayPal, Uber, Plaid, GE, Reddit, and Atlassian. Visit about.sourcegraph.com to learn more. That's about.sourcegraph.com to find out why some of the biggest tech companies in the world use Sourcegraph and to see what it can do for yours. Or just click the link in the show notes to let them know that you heard about them from us. Our thanks to Sourcegraph for the support of this show and Relay FM. So, you know, we talked about coding limitations and, and that kind of thing, but we also touched upon a few new areas that I think are are worthy of hitting. You know, as, a, as an indie, everything is your problem. Everything is on your plate. There is no part of the business that other people handle mo- you know, for the most part. Now, there are certain things that you can contract out in relatively clean and easy ways, many of, many of which that we actually do without even thinking about it. So, for instance, many of us have tax professionals or accountants or so- somebody to do our taxes, to file our taxes correctly you know, every, every year. That is, I think, a great thing to, to outsource because yeah. usually it's very clean and easy and the risks of doing it wrong yourself are pretty high and the value that you add by doing it yourself is very low. So that's something, you know, when you have that kind of thing, tax, legal, that kind of work, uh, you know, you as the programmer probably shouldn't be doing that yourself. And there's no there's no benefit to you doing it. There's only possible downsides. So that kind of stuff you can outsource, but you still have to deal with it. You still have to hire that person and get get the documentation together to give to them or the you know the the financial records or whatever it is whatever it is that they need to do the job you're hiring them to do it's still on you to do that to to give it to them and deal with them and interface with them and everything so all the you know taxes legal stuff if you have any kind of compliance needs where you are or in the industry that you're in that's that's all going to land on you in some way and you still have to deal with all of that another thing that that I think you know larger areas of the of app development that that i find are a downside that i have to deal with sometimes um are the big question i think is you know things like server operations and server maintenance that's a large area that's you know still in the programmer area but even as we leave the programmer area uh, a little bit we have things like um support uh testing qa that are that you know you as the developer are still needing to be very involved in those things because they they directly touch your code and it's directly related to what you need to do for the app and everything. And so when you're an indie, things like testing and you know marketing, support, all that stuff, that all falls on you most of the time. And you can like I've hired support people in the past. Frankly, I've never had a good experience with it and and maybe I just had, you know, people who who weren't the right fit for me for for my preferences or for my products i'm not sure it was it, it was always at best i had an okay experience and some of the th- some of the things i tried i had downright bad experiences with and so i ended up 
basically setting up expectations with my customers in the app that I'm, I basically don't provide support. And I get an occasional one-star review for that, but it's but it's mostly okay. And, I, and you know, the reality is I do end up having to do some level of support um but it's i just try to get rid of the the you know the most common stuff like uh you know i i deleted a podcast how do i undo that you know i'm sorry i don't offer that yet um but you know support's a big one um testing q a you know these are all things that as indies you're going to be inherently limited in the amount of these things you can do so automation helps where possible you know automated testing i know i don't do this myself but you know do as i say not as i do um automated testing is a huge help here um you know things like uh, you know support auto responses or faqs can go a long way towards helping it you know this is the kind of stuff you have to think about as an indie because you you don't have the staff of humans that can deal with things one by one you know, you know anything that is not automated is going to fall in your lap and you want to minimize the number of those things and, and the type of those things so that you can actually do the thing that you want to be doing, which is probably designing or and, and developing the app. And I think on the operations side, I think it is absolutely true. It's like the, the, the difficulty of that, too, is a lot of the operational work, whether that be accounting, bookkeeping, support, um, compliance, all those types of jobs, it's like that work is so often kind of like completely orthogonal to the actual like thing that I'm good at. It is not like – that is not a skill that I have. It is not something that I'm particularly um, s- sort of strong in. And so – but I still like – it falls to me to do it that I'm you – know, I, I have an accountant who does the tax filing. But that doesn't mean – like I still am the one who has to yeah, gather all the documents and understand all of the things that need to be done there rather than it being – you know, you would, I would imagine in a, in, in a traditional company, there's a person who that's their job. And if you were the head of that company, you will like – you know, it's like you have a meeting once a quarter with your – you know, the CFO, the, the, the chief accounting officer, whatever that is. And you talk about like, you talk at a high level and you get some reports and you kind of look at things, but you don't have to prepare those reports. You don't have to get down in the weeds in a way that you do otherwise. Yeah. And so it's like, I think I've very much taken the approach if I try to automate as much as I can, I outsource what sort of makes sense to do in the operational area. Like I, I do have someone who does support, help, helps me with support and I've been able to find a good kind of situation there. But a lot of it more recently has also been to move in towards, you know, frequently asked questions and automation and things that scale and take me out of the loop. Um, but the reality is like there is just some operational stuff that I spend, I, you know, if I time tracked, I would know this, but um, I probably in my mind, I spend maybe 10% of the, you know, my working time doing operational stuff that isn't, you know, it isn't essential to the business being a, you know, a legal compliant thing that it does, but is not moving the, the product or the uh, business itself forward in that way. It is just like an, sort of an essential overhead that I just have to kind of deal with and take, you know, take care of. Yeah, I, I find that, I mean, and we've talked before, it's even, even as we talk about features and coding of our apps, it, we do have to be much more aware of when we're balancing, like, is the thing I'm working on something that's going to benefit my customers in any way, let alone are they going to notice it? And is this going to result in more sales or happier customers? Or am I, you know, rewriting this component in combine because I want to do that myself and that's not going to actually benefit anybody, you know? And that's, this is, you know, as again, as I'm, as I'm looking at my, my big Swift UI migration, I, I'm having to ask this question a lot, like, I'm doing all of this. Meanwhile, the feature set of my app is basically going to be frozen for a long time. And that doesn't sound like a very good idea either. So I have to find the right balance there. But anyway, so one area that I would love 
um, to be able to outsource, but I, I just am too much of a, of a control freak right then, right now. Um, and, and also I think this would be a pretty significant cost, um, is the entire category of marketing, because what this means keeps growing. So one thing I did, you know, yesterday, I, it took me probably 45 minutes yesterday out of my day to, I I was going and adjusting my search ads. Yes, I'm back on search ads. I don't feel good about it. Let's move on. (laughs) I was adjusting, you know, just going through like adjusting the keywords and bids and everything to, you know, make sure I'm not setting too much money on fire where it's not working and increasing my bids on areas where it is working. And, and, you know, and this is all part of marketing. Um, What, what I probably should also be doing are things like social media marketing, where, I should probably be, you know, reaching out to different podcasters uh, and, you know, ha- doing some kind of, you know, quick little, you know, quotes or interviews and promos and things like that. I, I actually purchased an ad. Uh, I purchased a couple ads on podcasts last month. That also took some time out of my day. I'm, you know, trying to figure out how to how to grow my my business a little bit more and where, you know, where ad dollars are best spent or, or promo dollars. Um, I should probably be like joining Facebook groups and posting on TikTok or something. And these, these are all things that not only am I not very good at, uh, but they, they take time out of my day. And not to mention the fact this stuff all costs real money. And you know, so I, I'm trying some stuff out. I'm probably not going to do a whole lot of this just because it costs so much money and I'm an indie. And you know, I don't have much of a marketing budget necessarily. It's just like I look at what my app's making, and I'm like, well, let me see if I can spend money in a way that I'm not losing too much of it. Um, you know, on the ad side, like you know, try you try to measure what you're getting, and you try to you know have ads that that don't lose you money, and that's kind of difficult to find a lot of the times. Um, but all of that stuff, even you know, things like making you know promo art for the app store, trying out like the app store has so many different features now that are marketing related, trying out different copy and AB testing product pages and making different uh, screenshots for the ad versus the regular product page. You're trying out like they have all these different ways that if you have a marketing design team or a marketing, you know, regular marketing team or ideally both, you can be testing out all these different things and optimizing everything about how your app is is bought and, and tried and looked at by people. And I just don't have the not only do I not have the the design talent for a lot of that stuff, but I don't have the time to deal with all that stuff. And so as as an indie, I really, I should be doing a lot of that, but I can't do much of it for, you know, mostly for talent, time, and money reasons. So, you know, that's that's an area where, you know, big companies will, again, be much, much more advantaged than, than we are at that. And again, we have to design our apps accordingly. We have to design for things like, People sharing it amongst themselves, word of mouth marketing, um, you know, reaching out to you know indie blogs, you know, p- places like Mac Stories and Daring Fireball that that feature indie apps a lot. You know, that kind of thing is is where we have to market our apps, and that even affects what we build in the sense that we should probably focus our building efforts on areas that we know how to market and can market to with the resources and talent and budget that we have. Yeah, and I think the hardest part for me with the marketing side is how much of it is, I guess, speculative or kind of experimental that so much of, I think, with marketing is about trying lots of different things 
to see what works. You know, it's kind of like have an idea, try it. It's like what I think the word build a campaign, I think is the appropriate phrase for it. It's like come up with a campaign for how you're going to work on something and then like measure that and see what impact did it have. You know, it's like if I, you know, if I spent a dollar on this marketing and I got back, you know, a dollar and 10 cents, then great. I could do that, you know, essentially forever and it's great and it's increasing my bottom line. I spend a dollar on marketing on a, you know, a, a campaign, whether that's, you know, paid placement or even just, I guess, the hourly time that it's, you know, it's spending of re- doing outreach or whatever that looks like. Like, and it, you know, you're getting back 90 cents on the dollar. Like, well, that's, that's not working out great either. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's so, and like the time that you could spend on something like that is just, it's, you know, functionally limited, you know, sort of limitless. Like you can, you know, yeah, it's like you're talking about all the different platforms or areas that you could try. Like you could try going down TikTok. You could try going down Instagram. You could try on Twitter. You can try on app, the app store search ads. You could try on Facebook ads. You can do all manner of things that may or may not work. But the effort and the time involved in doing that is just like, yeah, I mean, for me, I find it so daunting. And the reality is, is what it means is almost all of my marketing is just, I guess, what they would call organic which essentially yes. <laughs> means you do nothing. <laughs> right. It's like organic is a fancy word for not doing it. Um, and it's like I've been able to, you know, been fortunate enough to find find ways into niches and, to, you know, pro- the way my products are structured such that that works and has a, you know, has, is sustainable. But it is definitely not a great situation, um, certainly at least from like the opportunity cost that I know that, you know, if I hired someone who is good at, you know, app store marketing, and that was their primary focus. I imagine there would be an increase in the, the revenue of the business, but the sort of the chasm between having none of none of that and the, having that person is just very wide and for me very intimidating. To not feel like you're just going to be you know lighting money on fire and who knows if it's going to work or just the effort and it's, yeah, it's like there's all kinds of reputational risks around things like that because like the way you market is a part of how you're presenting your app to the world and if you're doing it in a way that you know could come across in ways that would you know sort of not be how you'd like to be seen then that's complicated so you can't completely be uninvolved and yeah it's 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 a weird one and sometimes it's like you know sometimes it sort of nags in the back of my mind and i think about like oh man if I had someone who was doing the marketing for me, you know, how big could this app be? How big could this go? Um, but the reality is it's like, I probably will never know that. I'll probably never know how big some of my apps could be because I just don't have the time to do it myself. And I'm sort of too intimidated to do it, um, you know, or to have someone else sort of be doing it for me and that's just like the reality of it's like hopefully what i have you know hopefully organic is enough and if it is then it's like you know i'm fine and if it isn't at some point well like i mean i'd be in a rough spot yeah well and i think that's that's a great area too to cover like how how big we can get like what's what does the outcome look like you know when you hear about big tech companies or or even you know the, these little startups that get acquired for for money or you know it sounds, you know, these are all really big numbers that you hear, right? You hear like, oh, the startup got acquired for, you know, $50 million or whatever, or, you know, sometimes way, way more. Um, sure. We are not startups. We are indies. And that's a different thing. Startups, usually in the tech world, that means going out, getting VC funding, spending a whole bunch of money on very fast growth, including both staff growth and user growth and marketing growth, you know, spending tons of money in a short time to grow really fast so that your growth rate's really high. And then some kind of big exit down the road if things go well, which means either in, you know, in occasional cases going public or more commonly getting acquired by some bigger company. 
that's a train that we are not riding. We are not we're not in that game at all because literally like the, the to do that you need like dedicated staff just to go out and raise money like if if you're in that game trust me i've seen this world if you when you're in that world getting money managing the investors you know getting the presentations and you know doing the board meetings and all that stuff that is almost a full-time job itself like whatever whoever your founders plural are who are doing that that's going to take up a huge part of their time and managing all of that and managing growth and, and managing the, you know, the, the inevitable staff growth that you'll have and the, the, you know, really, you know, pretty high budgets and everything that you'll be working with and, and trying to, you know, work through and manage and spend. And, and, you know, that's its own huge thing that we don't have time to do any of that. So what, what to expect with an indie when things go well is you're going to be a thousand air. If things go really well, you're going to be a millionaire, maybe. You're never going to be a hundred millionaire. You're never going to be a billionaire. That's a different league. That like we're not playing in that league. We're playing in the like you know you're going to be you know you're going to make an income like a doctor or a dentist. Like you'll do well. It, you know if things go well, like you'll you'll do well. But you're not going to be you know making you know yacht and helicopter money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's 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 a different level, and that's fine because. This is a lifestyle that we choose, and this is a very nice lifestyle because all of the stuff that comes along with that that bigger world, that all has major downsides and major costs and major stresses, and we have to deal with pretty much none of that. And it's – I consider what we do a huge blessing, and as long as you set your scope and expectations accordingly to what it can do and what it really is, it's a great – it's a great living. It's a great life. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, it's sort of the way to wrap it up is the things it's like, yeah, it's like neither, even talking through for half an hour of all of the downsides and limitations of being in indie, I wouldn't change it. Like, I know that there is a ceiling on what, how big my business could be. There's a ceiling in how much I can do. There's a ceiling in what's possible. But I choose that ceiling because I like living under it. Like it's a lovely home underneath that ceiling that is is wonderful, has been comfortable, has you know supported my family for 13 years, and I wouldn't change it. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye.